0: My name is Dimitri Filipovich and joining me in studio is my good buddy Thomas Jans. Tom, it's good to have you back in uh, Vancouver, buddy. Thank
1: you. It's been a while. We haven't hung out in months. So this is going to be like an unfamiliar setting for for an episode. You know, usually we do an episode and it's like we were were having beers the night before. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to be feeling each other after the show (laughs) to go watch the NBA finals and, and have a few adult beverages. But we'll get reacquainted and preview the Stanley Cup final. Pleasure to do it with you as always. I'm excited. So hopefully this is going to
0: serve as a one-stop shop to get people ready to watch these games, to fully enjoy the details of the upcoming series. Once the puck drops on Saturday night, you and I were just talking before we went off air. I think anyone saying this isn't an exciting matchup or that they aren't pumped for the Stanley Cup final either has some sort of weird axe to grind against one of these organizations or... Just has not been watching these games because I am very excited about it. I think there's a lot of details involved here in terms of the X's and O's, strengths versus weaknesses, key players to watch. That all get me really excited. I think they're juicy details, and hopefully,
1: we're going to be able to get into all of them today. I also think both of these teams have played so well that it's and and I and I also think it's going to be a fascinating clash of styles, right? Yes. And and you know I don't know that Florida has played a team like Vegas. Right, I, and I sort of have this overarching theory, and I'll just debut this off the top yeah. about the playoffs, mm-hmm. and, and everyone knows, or at least Vancouver, fans in Vancouver know, you know the the anything can't happen theory, effectively, of course, uh, a theory which Florida is putting to the test, according to some, although of course they won the Presidents' Trophy in twenty twenty two, and and then added a top three player in the league. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, whether you accept or whether you try to, um fit a glass slipper onto the Florida Panthers paws or not. Mm. And I don't think you should. Um, The fact is, is that, you know, there's often a team that gets hot at the right time and buzzsaws through the playoffs. And to some extent, it does feel like Florida has been that version of the team. And I, I tend to think that as the playoffs go along and the randomness sorts out, there's usually one or two sometimes just one elite team that's still standing at the end. And as the sort of teams press up against their ceiling over the gauntlet that is the Stanley Cup playoffs, that elite team often functions as like truth serum. Right. Okay, truth serum that exposes what those striver teams, you know, great runs but not quite there, uh, really are. And I think we saw that in game six when the Vegas Golden Knights fourth line just went and, you know, windmill dunked (laughs) <laughs> it was a layup line yes. against the Dallas Stars, and that makes sense because the Dallas Stars have 19 million committed to a pair of middle six guys. Vegas doesn't. Right. Their depth overpowered them. And there's a few things about Florida, whether it's Sergei Bobrovsky's form, although Aiden Hill has the higher save percentage coming into the se- yes. series, or Mark Stahl holding up as a top four guy, or right. <laughs> um, you know Radko Gudas turning into one of the most dominant two way defensemen in the game. Like there's some wait, reality. Wait, what's, the, what's the second way? Sorry,
0: what the in the, in the two way arsenal of Radicogudas? What's the second second <laughs> way? I think, I mean, he's a one way defenseman in the sense that he he's, he's running this like third pair that's kind of sheltered with Mahura. Mahura. Yeah. They've been wildly effective. They're doing everything you want from your third pair. I wouldn't necessarily say like they're running their offense through Radicogudas though. I don't. No, no,
1: I, and of course, but I mean that pair has been preposterous. They've done everything you could absolutely hope for it. They've been pair, so sure. good. Like I'm blown and Josh Mahura is a good player. Ma- Josh Mahura is a good player, but they're, some of the underlyings on that pair, you know, like 55% expected goals. Like, I mean, some of it, I know you hate expected goals, so I apologize. Uh, but the, the fact remains is that some of the stuff that they've accomplished is absurd. Yes. Right. Crooked numbers. Yeah. And, and there's just a few things about Florida where I'm curious to see whether or not they can hold up against the reality check that I think Vegas is going to offer at least to portions of the roster, which isn't to say that Vegas is necessarily going to win. Mm-hmm. Just that I do think they have you know, the ability to generate shots in the slot that, for example, Carolina didn't. Yes. Or the depth scoring threat that I don't think the Toronto Maple Leafs offered. Uh, I think Vegas has just more than what Florida has faced at any point this uh, playoffs, and that includes against the Boston Bruins.
0: I could spin it the other way, too, though, I think part of what's so beautiful with this matchup is I think Florida themselves are going to provide some unique challenges to Vegas that they haven't necessarily met along the way either, right? Like, they certainly played quality teams in the Oilers in round two, Dallas in round three, and looked every bit the part of what you're describing. And the team that was the number one seed in the West, we should say, as well, right? Mm -hmm. Running through this entire postseason on their conference. But Florida has also shown, I think, a few things, which we're hopefully going to get into today. Absolutely. That are going to really test them in ways that they're going to take them into the deep end in some areas where those other teams weren't really –
1: able to especially in terms of their pass rush yes. right I mean is that for you matchup one in this series because to me that's the strength on strength matchup of this series that I find most fascinating is Vegas's engine mm-hmm. on the blue line yes and that's the best defense core one through six in the league right against Florida's four check that to me is the strength on strength matchup that I'm most fascinated got five watching.
0: matchups mapped out here that okay. I wanted to get to I wasn't anticipating five minutes on Radko Gudas and Josh Mujura right off the top but We'll bake that into our projections here. Um, <laughs> have you never had me on before? I, I should have known that you and I would get sidetracked. I'm, I'm sure that Will Borgen is going to come up at some well, point
1: dude, as well. It, it was E2 Luc Sturainen from our, from our My Guys podcast course, at the start of the year. That, uh, that's aged just as well as my Will Borgen one. Phenomenal player.
0: I've got five. That was number two on my list, so we can get into that right now if you want. Sure. Because that seems like – I mean, that is probably like a key from a tactical perspective. Mm-hmm. A big one, right? Here's the thing with Vegas. Against Dallas, they were able to really um, – dissect dallas's forecheck which isn't anywhere near as dangerous as florida's is through like immaculate uh attention to detail which we should expect from a bruce cassidy team in the sense that they don't ask their defensemen to do too much right like for for all the praise you just heaped on vegas's blue line in terms of all the talent and the versatility they have in that group beyond shea theodore i wouldn't necessarily describe any of those guys as kind of like uh a chess piece that can just move all over the board and mm. can single-handedly beat an F one and work the way out of the zone and get the puck up the ice, right? So instead, what they do is they have guys like Mark Stone and Jack Eichel and William Carlson come back deep in the zone, and they do these quick little like one-touch passes, and all of a sudden they're moving up the middle of the ice and breaking through. And you're right, that like that's going to be a key matchup because we've seen Florida just basically block off the walls against every team they've played so far. And be like, "Well, you're not going to be able to make this safe play. What are you going to do now?" And in a lot of cases, the answer was, "Well we haven't thought that far ahead, and then it was a bunch of turnovers in the middle of the ice, and they're going to test that against Vegas here.
1: And it was funny because Vegas did that too to Dallas in game six. Mm-hmm. like when, yes. ge- when that series turned, Vegas almost stole a page out of Paul Maurice's handbook um, you know, to uh, maybe they found it left over at the MTS Center in the first round and, and sort of deployed it. In, uh, in in defeating Dallas. So I think this is an interesting one, particularly because, you know, you brought up Shea Theodore, but in some ways, Shea Theodore with Braden McNabb has kind of become a third pair at five on five for Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the undertold or unheralded reasons why Vegas has gotten over the hump in this playoff run has been the absolute electricity. And phenomenal emergence of that White Cloud Hague pair. Yes, that I think. I mean, and not to take anything away from Martinez Pietrangelo, who've also been yeah. really good, but that Hague pair with White Cloud, White Cloud, and, and not that White Cloud's like super dynamic in terms of skating the puck through the neutral zone in the, in the same sort of way mm-hmm. we think of Shea Theodore doing in our mind's eye. But I think both guys are able to at least like o- o- elude F one and make a crisp pass. They are, yeah. And and yet I do think being disciplined enough to bail out. And just play punt and hunt is, is essential for both teams. Like a lot of this series, I suspect, is going to come down to one battles in the neutral zone yep. and and who can avoid fighting the battles along sort of the the half wall in well, their own end. The Nick
0: Hague laughing in Max Domi's oh, face and then
1: giving him the thumbs up was
0: like <laughs> the Don Draper, I feel, I feel sorry for you, I don't think about you at all yeah uh, meme it was just so good So
1: th- that pair though 12 goals for four against five on five in the playoffs
0: yeah it's interesting you brought that up though I was noticing that as well like Shay Theodore to my eye has kind of looked off this postseason I mm. wonder if he's still hurt because he missed most of April at the end of right. the regular season his usage is way down like how often he is shooting the puck is way down mm-hmm. I don't know so he just hasn't really looked nearly as dynamic as he did in the past I think they're gonna need a lot from him in this series, though. It's kind of reminds me a bit of that Stanley Cup final last year with Tampa Bay and Colorado. Not that the teams are similar, but with the, but in Victor terms Headman. of like the pressure Colorado was able to put on Tampa Bay's defensemen and how they had no recourse for like making someone miss and getting mm-hmm. the puck out via skating. Whereas every time Tampa Bay would go in on the four Kyle McCarrow would just effortlessly get it out of the zone. Yeah. Theodore is the one kind of like Lock and key player that they have here that could do something like that and if he's not playing up to his capability i do worry a little bit because what works against this florida four check beyond just those quick little passes is that like high flip into the neutral zone that alleviates the pressure and then you go win a battle there which is easier said than done because florida wins a disproportionate amount of well, battles but vegas doesn't like to do that they like to play a much more like deliberate puck possession game and so I'm not expecting them to do that. So they're going to need to string together these passes. And that's a bit scary. Yeah,
1: well, in Florida, I think it's far more comfortable playing punt and hunt. Yes. Like, they're far, far more comfortable just moving the battle into the neutral zone because they've done that all playoffs. Like, they have been the purest version of that that we've seen since, like, Mike Sullivan's heyday Penguins. Well, wouldn't you be if you, like, if your roster led the league in dogs per 60? Like,
0: (laughs) I, I, I have that here. I'm serious, though. It's like... I know Spore Logic is trying to track, um, like, puck battles won, and it's still very hit or miss because it's like, how do you define that? Who do you give credit to when a lot of these are, like, two-on-two battles and stuff like that? But that does feel like it is a repeatable skill, I think, and, and like, there's certain players that are oh, just yeah. better at it than others. And so I, I, I do wonder, like, I know you're a big Andre Plat guy and you, you've you had this whole thing about how pound for pound he's the best puck battle winner in the game. I would nominate Sam Reinhardt for that.
1: Um, he's and, been, he's been great.
0: And he might, and and then there's an argument to be made that it, like a Carter Hagee, like Matthew Kachuk, they have other guys who might actually,
1: but I think there, but there's some other, like their Vegas has their own versions of those guys yes. too. I mean, realistically, when I say that Andres Pallad is the best pound for pound battle winner, that's because when I see Mark Stone anticipate angles and, and use that stick lift, I I almost think about you know the Rodman quote from The Last Dance where he's like oh yeah over here over yeah, here all like, angles, he's, yeah. he's an absolute savant when it comes to winning those battles and and Riley Smith I think Riley Smith's yes. one of the best in the league too so you know this is a this is a heavyweight tilt like a true heavyweight tilt from a fifty fifty puck battles perspective between these two teams well it, let me spin some it, of the best in the league let me spin sides. it around the other way for you because I think. What Florida Sporchick has done versus Vegas' defense
0: is a key matchup. The other way, as well, though, like part of Vegas' success this postseason has been they've dominated the neutral zone against first Edmonton and then mm-hmm. Dallas. I've got in round two against Edmonton, rush goals were seven to four for Vegas. Okay. In round three, nine to three against a Stars team that had scored 15 rush goals previously in the first two rounds. And part of the way they do it is. I game six was a bit of a departure from that because they just so aggressively, it felt like they like smelled blood in the water and had inflicted so much punishment on Miro Haskin in particular that they were like, all right, let's just finish the job here. But for the most part, they play kind of a bit more passive in the neutral zone and sit back and allow you to skate into it and then make you turn the puck over the blue line or dump it in for all the talk about how Florida is more versatile and more diverse offensively and gritty and all this stuff in zone they're still a really effective rush team. Mm. And if they're not able to create off the rush and off the move the way they have so far this postseason, it's going to be a lot trickier for them to create like sustainable offense throughout the series if Vegas is able to just put the clamps on them there.
1: Well, I, that's a really interesting one because I was worried. I picked Vegas in the Western Conference Final, but I was worried going into it because I thought Dallas was the faster team. And I think there's a similar dynamic that will be at play in this series. I'd note, too, when Dallas felt like they were beginning to – I mean, they outplayed them in in games four and five, right? Yep. I think yes. we can both agree on that. And I thought it was their speed that played I- until they got really sloppy on the breakouts in game six and just got flattened. Yep. Um, Vegas was effective overall in that series in controlling Dallas's speed or neutering that advantage, but the seams did show in moments. Um, that that's to me. The area that I'm most concerned from a Vegas perspective, that I'd be most worried about in Bruce Cassidy's shoes, because this Florida team's faster than that Dallas team, and we've already sort of seen the template of what it can look like when speed plays right. against this Golden Knights side. Definitely, but they also like I think they've shown they like have an ability.
0: Like game one was very ugly for them against Winnipeg, right? Mm-hmm. That was like a very outlier game in that series. Remember we watched it and we we're like, "What just happened there? Like, should we?" Were we totally off on this? And then in round two, you know, Vegas won game one, but then game two, they got like punched in the mouth by mm-hmm. the Oilers, right? And we were like, all right, like the Oilers, like, once again, are the Oilers just going to take this over? And similarly in, in round three, we saw a bit of that as well. This Vegas team, like great teams, like the Lightning teams in the past are so good at like recalibrating for their opponent and it mm-hmm. might take them a game or two, but once they figure out the speed you're playing at, it feels like they're able to like absorb it and make necessary positional adjustments that compensate for whatever speed deficiency they have. And I'm expecting that game one might look much different in the series than in the games rest of it, three to six, for example. Yeah, it's
1: interesting. And, and you know, one thing, too, I, I feel like Florida has been able to play their game yep. consistently. Like, I don't feel like they've taken the sort of punches that Vegas has at any point. No, they've been the ones throwing them quite quite <laughs> literally at times, right? It's, yeah, it's amazing. Um, and yet, okay, so... Here's one thing that I'm really curious about. This is a this is a regression talking point, not a tactics okay. talking point. But I do feel like to some extent and not that Aiden Hill is sustainable at a 937 save percentage clip either. Mm. But you know, one sort of key thing that I'm curious to see is it's the uh, immovable force unstoppable object battle between Vegas's hot shooting, yes, and Bobrovsky's complete impenetrability, especially on point shots. Um and which sort of gives first? I mean, have we talked enough about how Vegas has 48 5-on-5 goals? I know, it's ridiculous. 48 5-on-5 goals well, they, in 17 games. Well, they needed games. it because their power play is just an abomination. I, I mean, they're, but they're plus 25. Yeah. Plus 25 in 17 games. And and I mean, there's a lot of that that's overheated, for sure. But that's a wild. I mean, that's that's an absolute butt-kicking that they have leveled on the Western Conference to get here. Some of that
0: is certainly good fortune, right? The puck's just going in for them. I think an under-talked-about part of this, though, is we spend so much time focusing on the adjustments Bruce Cassidy coming in as coach has made on their defensive structure. They've fundamentally changed the way they play offensively as mm-hmm. a team, and part of that, I think, is just having Jack Eichel, who is a, a player that they've never really had that player type before. But I was looking at this, I was thinking about it. Okay, so you watched that bubble season very closely, right? The, the bubble playoffs, oh, where yeah. they ran into bubble Demko, right? And And... Eventually they wound up losing to Anton Hudobin. Yeah, and part of the issue was, and it happened again the following year when they lost to Carey Price in the conference final was, if the rush got kind of shut off for them and choked off, they had no other resources for. All right, the game slows down. How do we get the puck into the slot? And mm. so they would just wind up settling much like Carolina did in the Eastern Conference Final for all these low percentage point shots. You look up and the goalie stopped 44 out of 46 shots. Right. And you're like, wow, Vegas got unlucky. And then it happens multiple years in a row. And it's maybe they're doing something wrong. This year, they've totally changed who, the shot distribution of who's taking the shots. In those two years, in 2020, 2021, their leading shot takers were Shea Theodore and Nate Schmidt in 2020 by a significant margin. And then the following year, Petrangelo and Theodore. This year, it's Marcio, Eichel, and then a big drop until you get to Petrangelo and Theodore. Right, and so to me, that does represent like a much more sustainable way of breaking through and problem solving offensively than they had previously. Well, how
1: many games have we watched in this playoffs where Vegas is still missing a lot of chances? Yeah, I mean that game six was a perfect encapsulation where you have, you know. um, four or five glorious missed opportunities, but they'll score on the sixth one. And you're like, okay, well, they had seven straight five bell scoring chances. But, but it's looked like that at times. Like it looked like that regularly against Edmonton. It certainly looked like that against Winnipeg as that series went away from them. So, you know, I, I do think, I do think there's something more about Vegas's attack. And, and you can see it too, when they get those turnovers on the wall, right. And those, and those quick passes into the middle Um, like their their pop passes their pop pass game is generating and fueling a lot of scoring chances in a way that it didn't used to where they'd sort of like regroup and keep it on the perimeter and and try and manhandle teams down low
0: well that's what I like about this series and what I like about these teams having success this postseason is they both have a very modern offensive game plan and approach Mm. right a lot of off the rush and then once they get in the zone their defensemen aren't shooting a lot it's a lot of like designed passes to get either to the net front or the slot. And it's really like, it's the NBA, like the NBA um, threes and dunks, right? Like eliminating the mid range. That's what these teams have kind of done in a way where you're not going to get a lot of wasted, dumb shots in the zone. It's going to be a lot of like- High value. We're specifically trying to funnel it to an area. And to me, that's cool. Like you look at that Eastern Conference final, Carolina's defensemen are taking like 60% of the shots. Florida's is like down to 35%. Other than Montour, who you could argue- is a fourth forward most times because he's like he's he's like roving down towards the net yeah. right he's not just like bombing away point shot after point shot aside from him even guys like stall and gutas and and ekblad even have totally changed their games like you'll watch this series they get the puck of the point and if there's not a very clear shooting lane for them to step into they'll just work it down the wall behind the net and kind of like restart the offensive zone scheme instead of wasting it and i love that like that's 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 a modern game. That's the way teams should be playing in twenty twenty three. And you're seeing it with
1: Ekblad, who, and he used to be like so trigger happy, right? An absolute bomber. And by the way, like he's got an unbelievable point shot, right? Yes. But you can you can see him. He's constantly taking two three steps forward, and he's looking for that with that wrist shot too on his strong, like on his downhill side, a uh, little little Shea, Theodore-esque, although, mm-hmm. uh, Shea Theodore esque. Although Shea Theodore'd be on his offside. Uh, but um but you can see it in terms of how Eckblad's uh Eckblad's approaching the game every time out uh, really quick thing about matchups yep. just I don't want to dwell on this but dwell away the uh the, the Florida Panthers and Paul Maurice didn't feel didn't seem like they had to worry too much about when they played their fourth line against the Carolina Hurricanes I think Maurice had the measure Right of yes. that team's offensive threat, right, or at least the threat posed without Sebastian Ajo on the ice. Yeah. I think it's fair to say. But this Vegas team is a very different animal when when their third line center might be, you know, arguably their second most dangerous player in, in Wild Bill Carlson. Mm-hmm. And as we've seen, that fourth line is pretty dangerous. I mean, uh, to have um, Matt Waugh on your on your third line is Nick Waugh. Nick Waugh. Sorry, yes. Matt was the. Uh, I, I can't remember who ended up being the CEO in succession, but, um, but yeah, to have Nick on your fourth line is a, is a serious luxury item. That's one area where Vegas was head and shoulders better than Dallas. And it mattered. It's another area. And, 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 you know, all respect to show favorite Ryan Lomberg, mm-hmm. but like the Lamborghini, <laughs> but like that's that fourth line is going to be an edge for them in this series. And I think is going to is going to put Paul Maurice in a stressful position where he has to make far more difficult choices in this round than he did in the last one.
0: Well, and especially like Paul Maurice likes to use them for like ozone draws and like, mm-hmm. because I feel like he, he's aware of that. And so he's like, this is the safest way to do it. And then as soon as the other team gets the puck, they're like, oh, we're in trouble. And then they're trying to get off the ice as quickly as they can. That's a problem because Vegas is so fast at flipping the ice and counterattacking that if that, if that line is out in the offensive zone and they turn the puck over, I do not like their chances of recovering capably. And so I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities, as you mentioned there for Vegas to sort of target them. And I wonder if we're going to see a point in the series where all of a sudden those guys are playing like five minutes a night, as opposed to 10 or 12. Well, And
1: just like what the Panthers do well, right? If you get stuck and have a tired player or two Vegas, just, Vegas can push their advantage for like three or four minutes, right? Both teams. So every weak link you have can be extrapolated uh, or or built upon. Like every edge, every misplay, I feel like is going to result in these lengthy changes of possessions. So not not every time, obviously, but like the the risk factor of of having of getting caught for in those moments. I mean that could, it could be two or three heavy shifts in a row before you recover, and, and that logic holds true for both teams, which. I think is one of the reasons why I expect this series to be so like fast-paced and fun yes. to watch.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about it.
1: Okay, you know
0: what? Let's take an early break here, earlier than we usually take, just because I don't want to start our next matchup here and then have to cut it off halfway through. Fair. So we'll take this break, then we'll jump into the rest of the matchups we're looking forward to in this series. You're listening to the Hockey PDOcast streaming on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back in the Hockeypedio cast with Thomas Grant in studio doing our Stanley Cup final mega preview. Tom, here's a matchup I'm excited about. The Vegas defensive zone structure, which we've heralded under Bruce Cassidy, versus Florida's unique way of attacking in the offensive zone. And by that, what I mean is no team utilizes the trapezoid and that area behind the net better than the Florida Panthers do, right? They run so much of their offense through Matthew Kachuk behind the net. They pass it down to him, cycle it back. Those defensemen don't take point shots. They pass it down to him. He facilitates from there, whether it's bringing it out like he did multiple times against the Hurricanes or hitting a Sam Bennett or someone that's kind of streaking into the slot. Vegas's defense ventures behind the net less frequently than any other team in the league. What they do under Bruce Cassidy is they just pack the paint and they're like, have fun on the outskirts and behind the net, do whatever you want. We're not, we're not falling into that trap. I'm very curious to see how that plays out in the series because I think there's going to be a temptation if you see Matthew Kachuk, especially having success just behind the net, you don't he's such a gifted passer, especially with those like little sauce passes into space, that I don't think you want to let him camp out there without any pressure and just, you know, let him like a quarterback sitting back in the pocket, hitting open receivers. So if they start chasing there, that could get them into even more trouble. And it's just a fascinating dynamic between a team that attacks from there specifically
1: versus a team that never defends there. It, it, that's a fascinating one. You can't risk complete vivisection by Matthew Kachuk, right. right? And, and the, and we, the... You can't let their best player do what he does best, best. freely. No.
0: no. Like, you can't lose that way, right? Absolutely that's, That would
1: be demoralizing. Man, it's going to be tough for them to, I mean, look, at the end of the day, you're going to take punches from Matthew Kachuk. Like, Matthew Kachuk's going to, Matthew Kachuk, Sam Bennett, Sasha Barkov, right? Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, Jack Eichel, William Carlson, Marsh. So like these guys are going to land punches. You know, I I think if you're Vegas and Matthew Kachuk can do damage against you, but it doesn't suit the rest of their team as well. I think you just have to live with that trade-off even if it's touchy at moments. It's tough. You like I don't think you can get away from your bread and butter necessarily, even though obviously you have to be somewhat adaptable. Like you you have to trust that your style of kung fu will win out. Yeah. You know, you can't just go cobra kai. no i I, i'm with you on
0: that so sport logic has barkov at at fourth and kachuk at third in the league this postseason with 75 combined successful passes into the slot yeah and vegas doesn't as dallas learned the hard way does not let you get in there and Mm -hmm. so it really is like a strength versus strength battle in that sense which is exactly what we want to see in the biggest stage which is totally like a part of the appeal for this series for me and so yeah who wins out because We've mentioned that whether it's along the boards or whether it's in front of the net, like the battleground for premium real estate in this series is going to be. It might not be that interesting, I guess, to like a casual fan, but like for like a nerd, if you're listening to the show right now, you're like salivating at like this is what it's all about.
1: And look, if you can't get, if you can't get behind like the positional nuances of the Hague White Cloud pair, what are you doing? Listen to the cast. <laughs> that's, that's a great point. No, but I but I do think that's. You know, it's not just that Vegas, because we talked about it in terms of the forecheck. And what's their disadvantage in terms of handling Florida's, you know, pass rush, their, their, their blitz effectively. Um, You know, their disadvantage is that aside from Shea Theodore, there's not a ton of super dynamic, you know, uh, drive, play through the neutral zone with your feet type uh, yes. defenders on this Vegas Golden Knights team. But what's their strength in terms of denying passes uh, into the slot? It's, it's that all of these guys are massive. A lot, I mean, of big, a lot of big lads it, it is a it is a big boys blue line and and so that's sort of the one florida edge or florida strength that i feel like i feel far more confident about vegas's ability to trouble florida or at least deny them oxygen in the spaces they like to operate uh you know beneath the hash marks than i do about their ability to contain florida's counterattack off the rush or you know deal ably with Florida's forecheck. Like this would be the area where I think Vegas is, and it's not just down to size. It's also down to how intelligently guys like Martinez and Pietrangelo and Haig and white cloud and, and McNabb and and even Theodore and to his own, uh, in his own respect, plus the way that their forwards defend, right. And the way their forwards contribute, like that's sort of the area that I think Vegas's strength will beat Florida's strength. I think that's sort of the area where I think, um, what what would be a potential mismatch and has been a potential mismatch for, or has been a mismatch for Florida's other opponents, I think that's a part of their game they're really going to have a tr- have trouble executing against Vegas. Okay, here's what
0: I'm fascinated to see. And we're going to find out the intentions right away in game one. How much William Carlson versus Matthew Kachuk do we see in this series? Because my initial inclination was Lots. we're going to see a lot of it because I think Matthew Kachuk is their best player, Florida's and Vegas has shown their hand in terms of they've identified the biggest scoring threat offensively and just thrown William Carlson like kind of like a wet blanket over it, right? Here's the thing, though. Prior to the East final, I kind of wondered whether Carter Verhage might be the scariest player for the Hurricanes just because of his kind of game-breaking speed, and once he gets Mm -hmm. cooking, there are just so much more... Terrifying offensively. And so I was like, hmm, I wonder if Rod Brindemore is actually not going to go Jordan Stahl versus Matthew Kachuk and instead throw him on the Verhegi Barkov line. So you and, think we and can That's, see that's exactly, that's exactly what he did, right? Now, I, I wonder if Florida would be, how Florida's going to feel about that. Like it, it, it's, it's so fascinating because what Cassidy's done is by throwing Carlson on the other team's best players, it's freed Eichel's lineup to cook offensively, right? Mm hmm. So in this case, if you throw Carlson on the Verhegi barkov line, in a way, you're freeing Jack Eichel up away from Sasha Barkov. And I think that's what Vegas wants. And so I wonder if that'll also kind of tilt them in that direction as opposed to going Carlson versus Kachuk, which makes sense on paper. But then all of a sudden, you give Florida the chance of countering by going, all right, well, we're going to throw Barkov on Eichel, and we're very comfortable with these matchups."
1: I, I think you go Carlson and Riley Smith. That that Carlson Riley Smith uh, Amadio group on the on the Barkov line, mm. and I think because the Barkov line's got the two speed speedy guys, yeah, and, and you I,
0: keep Barkov away from Michael,
1: yeah, and 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 I think you also keep Stone away from Verhage and Duclair, yeah, right. Like you you put Stone. I mean, if you want a guy who's able to hold up physically and not. Like be just as physically imposing as Bennett and Kachuk can be, right? I mean, isn't that Stone, Howden, Stevenson? Well, man, we need a, if that happens, we need a Stone Kachuk like iso cam at oh, all be times, so fun. just like a, a a
0: a puck battle cam where it's just <laughs> them isolated at all times, and then another cam for whatever
1: else is happening. Yeah, I'm, I, look, I would watch that. Yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, the reason why I highlighted this was I I, I think Carlson and Kachuk are my two MVP picks from these teams through the first three rounds. And it makes sense that they would face off against each other because it's the best defensive player against the best offensive player. So in a way, I kind of want to see it because it's almost like a battle in my eye for the rightful Conn Smythe winner, where Mm. whoever wins that matchup, their team probably will win the series. And then they should, in my eye, get the award, even though the voters probably either vote for Eichel or Bobrovsky, depending on who won.
1: Do you think Reinhardt's at the level now Where if it broke down the way we've laid it out, Mm -hmm. that Maurice would be totally comfortable with it. Like Reinhardt on... Reinhardt, the Reinhardt-Lundell-Lusterine in line uh, battling that Eichel-Barbyshev crew. Do you think he'd be happy with that? Or at least could live with it? I think he could live with it. I think once the series goes
0: to Game 3 in Florida, I think we're going to see a lot of Barkov intentionally against Eichel because... And I just did a full episode on like an Eichel breakdown of this. His speed has been such a nightmare for teams this postseason. Barkov is like built in a lab to provide some level of resistance to that, right? Because he picks you up early. He's got the reach to like bug you when you're trying to carry the puck. And he's got the strength where Eichel's least talked about quality is how physical and strong he is. He's not going to be muscling Barkov off the puck that often and so he's like he's the one rare player prototype that can actually theoretically hang with him at least
1: so Barkov and Eichel used to be in the same division mm. I've worked a lot of those games yeah Barkov and I've, he's never said this to me like I want to be clear but I, I can tell you this because I, I I know him well enough yeah Barkov gets up to play Jack Eichel like Barkov loves that matchup oh well, I love I, I love to hear
0: that yeah you know what? I'm gonna take that as gospel. I'm gonna. gonna No, to, that's. I, I, I promise hope, you,
1: that's true. I mean, he
0: should, right? He's a
1: premier two way yeah. center. Uh, he, I mean, look, Bart, it's not that it's not that Barkov doesn't like every matchup, but like, yeah. that's you. You can tell. You can yeah. tell. Uh, you could always tell ahead of Buffalo games, there was a, a different level of focus, and and that matchup has tended to be a very good one for Barkov.
0: Well, here's the thing, Eichel. So far this postseason, his main head to head matchups were Mason Appleton in round one. Max Domi, Max Domi in the West Final, and then in round two, that like Dreisaitl line with Yamamoto and Eugene Hopkins, both of whom are mightily struggling. And it's not not a surprise, I don't think, that he took advantage of that. I think if he were head-to-head against Barkov, I would love to see that, because it's like the ultimate final boss to try to beat. If you are going to win the cons, if your team's going to win the Stanley Cup, Barkov this postseason, conversely, passed her in round one, gave him one goal in 35-on-5 minutes. Round two, held Matthews to zero goals in 40 minutes. And then in round three, deemed like Marty is like, so obsolete that he may as well have not. Like yeah. if you told me that Marty, Marty Natchez was out along with
1: Svechnikov and Pacioretty, I would have believed it based on what Barkov did to him in that series. M- M- Marty Natchez looked like he was playing the Miami Heat, right? By the end of it. Yes. I mean, and that's okay. Like he's young enough that like that's No, no, a good I, love, I, I love Marty him. Natchez. He's this great. is
0: more of a... Sasha Barkov has ruined other teams' offensive plans oh, yeah. in this postseason. Absolutely. And in Vegas, for all the talk about their depth and everything, they've relied on that eichel Marshall barbashev line to feast offensively. And if you take that away, it's an entirely different equation.
1: Well, and, like, where were the Leafs dangerous against the Panthers? If Because Carolina just wasn't. But where were the Leafs dangerous against the Panthers? William Nylander's minutes. Yes. Right? So, on the one hand, does that augur well for Jack Eichel? Because he's going to be in the secondary role, most likely. At least at least when Vegas is on home ice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that sort of... Does that augur well for Jack Eichel? Or could Jack Eichel end up being the next Matthews, Marner, uh, Nietzsches in this series? Nietzsche, yeah. Yeah, and and,
0: and how did Willie Neander have success in that series? Every time he'd step on the ice, it was like a downhill opportunity to attack with speed, right? Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what Eichel's going to try to do. Well,
1: and just like it was Tyler Bertuzzi who did most of the damage against them, too, right? Like, yeah. it's been the secondary... It's been the secondary guys that have done that have eaten against this Florida team, and that's not not necessarily a coincidence when they have Sasha Barkov.
0: And I gotta say, I I love Barkov. Earlier this postseason, I was a bit critical of like how much he was providing offensively, right? And and he doesn't have necessarily the most sparkling playoff resume to date. Man, just watching him as his postseason has went on, though, he,
1: like he was great in he, that Carolina. The Hurricane attention to series. D, like
0: he was. I, I joked about how Brandon Montour was a fourth defenseman. Sasha Barkov was like a third or or a fourth forward. Sasha Barkov was like a third defenseman every time drop low, recover the puck, get it out with a clean exit and then attack off the rush, which is what they're going to need to do against this Vegas team. So man, I'm I, I, this is the stuff that gets me going, Tom, the, 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 this like chess match, uh, between all of these key players. And if we're going to see it play out that way, I'm so fascinated. The other thing about these teams though, is for how we talk about they're differently, like they're constructed differently and everything. I think they're both comfortable with any way these top three lines for them shake out, right? Because there's just so few weak links in the bunch. You asked me whether Paul Maurice would be comfortable with using Reinhardt's line in a certain way. He'd be probably comfortable using him anyway. Same with how Bruce Cassidy would be comfortable using Stone and Stevenson in any way. Like the quality of these players on these quote-unquote third lines
1: is remarkable and a big reason why these teams are the last two on standing. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the quality of players on Vegas fourth line. Right. Uh, and that's, that's where mm. I think this series gets really interesting. Like you sometimes get into these playoff series late in the year and you kind of look up and down the rosters and say like that team only has eight guys that can ha- hold up. Right. Like that's going to be a problem at the pace that I think this series gets, gets played at. Like when I talk about a team's fastball, I mean, when a team can play at such a clip that it renders, you know, we saw it with Seattle, Colorado, for example, like Seattle's fastball was fast enough that like Myers and Malgan got chased from the series and Colorado only had seven guys yep. who could hold up. And one of those guys was absolutely zero threat to provide any offense in, in Lars Zeller. And then, um, uh, JT comfort didn't have a single five on five point, yes. And that was it. Yep. They were cooked. And, and so they were able to chase Myers and Malgan on and on. That's sort of I, like, I legitimately think Florida has nine guys. Like, there are three lines at the very least who I think can What's play. What's on respect
0: on, on the Lamborghini's name? Yeah, five, ten guys. He can definitely hang in this series from 100%, a speed 100%. No doubt. No, right? no. And, well, but it's not
1: just about speed. It's yeah. also about... Uh, the two-way ability of to course, like, process. Of course, of but, but uh, you know, nine nine for sure. Yep. Like, I have no question about nine guys on Florida. and I. But the thing is, I have no question about 11 or 12 guys on, on Vegas. I mean, even 13. So, Teddy Blueger is probably not going to Te- dress for some of these games. Teddy Blueger yeah. have no problem. Yeah. So, you know, that's sort of where this gets interesting. And, and sort of then you go to the defense. You go to the defensive side. And, like, I think my number for the Panthers is probably reduced to four. Whereas I think there's six guys in, in Vegas that are as good as anyone else. So uh, that's sort of why I'm leaning Vegas. I just mm-hmm. think their depth is, is that much better. But there are some real ways that Florida can trouble them. And, and the, the Barkov factor is a major one.
0: Oh, man. Now that you told me that about Barkov, I'm, I'm, I'm even more excited about it. I was, I was initially like, ah, oh, I'm kind of sad if we don't see Carlson versus Kachuk. But if we see Carlson versus Barkov now... In that head-to-head, I mean, I think if Vegas wins this and Carlson just has a carryover in this final of what he's done in the first three rounds, I said this the other day. I I have don't I have no faith that the pro hockey writers who vote for this award will recognize it accordingly because especially if he does that, it probably means that Eichel's going to score some goals with some positive regression in softer matchups in this series. But Carlson has been such a disruptor, and. If you look at who he's played, right, it's like Rupe Hintz and Jason Robertson. It's Connor McDavid. It's Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor. And he's just winning those minutes handily while still being their leading goal scorer and not taking any penalties during those minutes in those tough assignments. I mean, I just feel like in general we have not shown enough appreciation, I guess, for what Carlson's done because a lot of the attention has been for Eichel, for Marsh, so for the team defense, for depth, for everything. But it's it Carlson allows it all to happen.
1: So let's talk Conn Smythe odds really yeah. quickly. Okay. Because you've brought it up in the and there there does feel like an opportunity here for for those of your listeners that like to gamble. Mm. I don't bet on hockey, but I bet on just about everything else. Um, so Overall, right, the Panthers are underdogs, mild underdogs in this series, right? Plus 105 but versus minus But they have the top, top, two, top two guys. In top top the two conspite.
0: guys. Right, because theirs is much more concentrated. Like, if they win, right. there's... N- we know who it is. Barkov is not going to win the consmite, even though he's been... So
1: you've conflict. looked over these odds? I have, yes. Do you have a favorite did a f- long- I did a
0: full show on it with Pete Blackburn. Do you have year. a favorite long shot? Yeah, it's William Carlson, because he is the rightful winner of this award, and he's, like, plus 700 or something.
1: Right. I, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna throw another one at you. Um, Riley Smith, 250 to 1 there's just, there's no chance. You love you love burning money
0: on these awards and there's I don't know I don't know what the range of outcomes is for the realistic path for Riley Smith to win this award. He just goes off. Beyond it being hilarious if he goes off,
1: um considering just goes off. his history, but No, I, there's there's his his game is I think really well suited to the sort of spatial problem solving that the Florida Panthers require um like require yes. of their opponents and That wrist shot, you know, like he's a classic, scores 25 one year, scores 12 the next, because his wrist shot's high velocity, but it's not necessarily the most accurate weapon. Um, He's a guy, though, that he shoots heavy enough that I think he can find holes that may not even be there on Bobrovsky. I'm just saying, 250 plus. So there's a stylistic thing I like about his fit in this series. Just Just wanted to drop that for everybody. All right. Well, do you want to talk about
0: the goalies? I feel like we've kind of pa- mentioned them in passing, right? Hill versus Bobrovsky.
1: I mean, it's just wild that Hill has a higher save percentage than Bobrovsky, and Bobrovsky's plus two hundred to win the Conn Smythe.
0: Well, have you seen his public goal save above expected time? I know it's
1: ridiculous. Here's the thing: he's I mean, been I'm, he's been great. I'm like, not going to rel- relitigate
0: this. Yeah, but just for like just to have it as a time capsule, right? Evolving hockey has him at plus twenty one point two. Goal save above expected this postseason in 14 games, which is obviously a historically God-like. great run and absolutely absurd, right? Dominic prime Dominic Hashek has inhabited his body and taken over. Spore logic has him at plus nine point three goal save above expected in 14 games, which is still obviously phenomenal, especially considering they had him at minus 18 in the regular season in 50 games, right? So just from like a shock level factor of not seeing this coming, it's the story is is obviously outrageous. I just that adjustment though moves him from historically great to really good. And that's been my argument for why Matthew Kachuk has been their Consmyth player, because he actually is having like a historically great postseason run here, both from a statistical level to like the narrative of being clutch and scoring all these overtime goals and buzzer beaters on the biggest stage, to him fundamentally changing the culture and the way this team plays and everything they do well, which we've talked about this entire show, right? Forecheck winning battles, net front stuff. Those are literally his trademarks, right? Like they've, they've, they've totally shaped their entire game plan around what he does best. And so from like a outsized impact perspective, I just, I think it's, I wish we weren't using Bobrovsky's save percentage against the hurricanes, which is artificially inflated. Clearly. Um, as a crutch for, like, why this team's advancing. And, and it's, it's been so lazy to me to see it be like, that's the only reason, hot goalie, right? Anything can happen when a goalie gets this hot. It's like, this Panthers team is doing so many good things. Other good- yeah. Listen, they're, not, they're 9-1 and in one goal games and 6-0 in overtime. If you want to say they've been lucky, I would certainly go that path, as opposed to being, like, their goalie save percentage. No. Because their goalie save percentage is lower than the other team's well, goalie save
1: percentage. Look at the work they did against Marner. Look how few times, like aside from what there was, like that one Kerfoot goal in in this in the fifth game. But like, how few rebounds Toronto got to, right? Mm. That and, was game, and how,
0: that was game two, I think.
1: Based. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was game four or five, the one yeah. that they won. But maybe you're right, game two. I'm just saying, like, other than that, can you remember? Like, uh, one of those, like, loose change in the slot that a Panthers defender either didn't get to or wasn't at least in a position to make it a really tough play. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the Carolina Hurricanes were going for deflections and stuff. They never had position. No. I mean, this team's defending exceptionally well to reduce it to Bobrovsky or to do the, like, this team so clearly wouldn't be here without Bobrovsky that he should be a contender even if Vegas wins thing. Like, that's not what we're watching. No, it's really at odds with what this Panthers team has accomplished as a group, and and how effective their forwards and and their defensemen um, have been at you know executing this game plan.
0: I I completely agree. Like if you want to say it exceeded expectations, obviously has. This is stunning. No one went into this postseason thinking he was even going to play for them because oh, he wasn't starting. Played, let alone this. He's played great, but w- he's been we're, awesome.
1: We're talking about him like he's the guy who's dragged a bad team to the Stanley Cup final, and that's just at odds with what we've seen. Yeah, like that's just not true. This Panthers team is full value for what they've accomplished.
0: Well, and that East Eastern Conference final was the perfect encapsulation of that because they were lucky to win all four coin flips. Mm-hmm. But every game, they were completely equal with the Hurricanes, right? Like, if you look at chances, where the shots were yeah. coming from, anything that actually of substance that matters. The games they were, were like not, 52-48. They were not getting skated yeah. off the ice by some superior no. juggernaut. Like, that is just... If you if that's what you watched, I that's not what's happening in hockey in 2023, like the game has changed so much. Not Maybe it never was that yeah. way,
1: but it certainly isn't now, right? So I mean, they weren't overwhelming and neither were the Hurricanes, right? It was a f- it, like, the, Each game was like 52-48. And, I would have loved to see a couple. Well,
0: actually, I didn't want to watch any more Hurricanes hockey, but, 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 but I would but, have liked to see a couple more of, considering how close they were. Uh, well, right? I
1: also thought they were fun games. Like they were fast games, even though I know you have the stylistic distaste for the Hurricanes. Like, Which was proven correct. Uh, well, they, they were down three or two and a half top line forwards, man. Two-and-a-half top-line forwards. Well, Vinan was back, but he wasn't he fully played. healthy. He played. Reddy wasn't even in their plans. Well, he was when they acquired him in the offseason. Yeah, he was, but
0: they had plenty of time to adjust on the fly, I think. I don't know.
1: I Yeah, but then you're spending at the deadline. Oh, no. I would hate for my Stanley Cup contender to be spending at the deadline. Yeah, but if you – I mean, anyway – I won't, do, I won't. I won't. We'll do def- it.
0: We'll do a full. We'll do a full off season Hurricanes. We We should, we I, should I, do a Hurricanes. There's debate a lot of lot, I, of, lot of lot of myths that I see being peddled around. See, I just...
1: I just don't see how can we praise the Panthers for doing the like Kachuk trade to extend their window right. and then kill the Hurricanes for being prudent about when they're going to like push their chips all in, particularly given the age of their best young players. Well,
0: and to be fair, the Hurricanes were in on. Kachuk, right? Yeah, and they also were in on Timo, Timo Meyer. Meyer, so they
1: were willing to spend on the guy, yeah, but they weren't spending on a guy. I, th- I mean, how and, well, and Tom, it's a make or miss league, right? I'm just saying. I think that's sometimes, sometimes um, discretion is the better part of valor. No, right? The that's the fair. the Fallstaff Hurricanes.
0: I just I I just don't I don't like the way they play offensively, and so I, I, this idea of like it's a copycat league, so if they're successful, people will will. Copy it. I really hope that is that does not happen.
1: Fair, but there are things about the way they replace players and the choices they're willing to make, right, uh, contractually, and how they approach that. That I think, of course, every team no, from the business copying. perspective, hundred yeah. percent,
0: right. But same with this Panthers team, right? Like, I actually think trying to copy. Acquiring Matthew Kachuk is not a viable plan because
1: that was like a fluke of circumstance. It well, doesn't necessarily become available. The copying Matthew Kachuk is not for teams. Copying Matthew Kachuk is for RFAs. Yes, and and if you if we're going to see a wash of Florida Panthers copycats, that's going to require your your you know year or two year out from free agent uh, UFA pre agents to begin to wield their like player power like they they play, you know, in the NBA or or a far more entertaining league. Hmm. Um if that happens, then then the Kachuk strategy becomes a viable one and we'll start to talk about teams like they need to preserve assets to like, you know, the way we talk about NBA teams, right? Like they need to preserve assets so they can win the derby for the next one. But right now that's not how the NHL operates. If if you're going to start copying the Kachuk deal, that that's what needs to happen. What I do think you can copy though is their approach to like Claim high upside puck movers who failed on the waiver wire, and you know, uh, fill fill out your depth intelligently with like aging stars, and you know they've done they've done a few smart things there.
0: No, they have. Okay, last note on Obrovsky. Kevin Woodley brought this up when I did a show with him last week. His pad work and his blocker work have been phenomenal he stopped everything down low mm. the way to beat him and Henrik Klung was talked about this on the great tnt broadcast as well you have to like try to pick a corner and shoot high which is obviously easier said than done the hurricanes just did not have the shooting talent to even try that i'm curious vegas has shown a lot of shooting talent in the and you the stats you mentioned of how much they're scoring and how efficient they've been at five on five i'm a bit dubious that like that's how good they actually are from a true talent perspective offensively and so i i i If you're going to make the case for Bobrovsky continuing this, it's it's a well-timed regression in terms of Vegas just not being as efficient from a shooting perspective. But they've shown also, as we talked about, they do have different ways to attack than they've had previously.
1: I mean, we haven't seen it this playoff, but Vegas struggling against a hot goaltender would not be like a new storyline that we've never seen before. On the other hand, Bobrovsky struggling against a potent offense would not be a storyline we've never seen before either. Right. So this is for me anyway, a fascinating one from 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 that sort of which regresses first well, perspective. And you mentioned all the big lads on the blue line for Vegas.
0: Up front, they have a lot of them as well. And we talked about how Florida's done such a good job boxing out and protecting in front of Yeah. This Vegas is a new test. should theoretically be able to win more of those battles and at least take away his eyes a bit more. So someone to watch for. Tom, uh I'll let you go here. Uh Hopefully, people are more excited about the Stanley Cup Final now after listening to this and they're ready for it on Saturday. I certainly am. I'll let you plug some stuff. uh, Let the listeners know where they can check you out and all that good stuff you're up to.
1: Check out Canucks Hour on Sportsnet 650 and across the Sportsnet Podcast Network. And of course, I'm a writer at The Athletic. Check out my Canucks work there in addition to coverage of the entire league.
0: Love it, buddy. All right. Enjoy the Stanley Cup Final. We'll be back covering the full series here on the Hockey Cast Streaming on the Sportsnet Radio Network.